do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are Episode four. Four. I feel pretty confident it's four. I'm also pretty confident it's four, but. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Um, Welcome back to Sorry We're Open. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Jess. And this week, we have such a fun guest on. Um, We do. But before we start, um, we just wanted to do a little quick follow-up from last week. So Lindsay posted on the story that. We had some friends, um, some of our guy friends DM us asking like, okay, so like aside from calling people, like what can I do to make someone feel safer? And the overarching theme more said more than anything else was please do not walk behind us at night. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like cross the street. Like really a big thing people said was like give a lot of space so that someone doesn't feel like they're being followed. So maybe if you like turn the corner and there's a girl like, alone five or six feet in front of you just cross to the other side of the street um because i think when i can hear someone at least personally when i can hear someone behind me when i'm walking it's definitely starts to freak me out so i think a lot of people really repeated a lot of things about space yeah yeah exactly and you know there are different variations of that like don't walk at the same pace behind a woman like either slow down speed up cross the street um things like that you know having guy friends offer to walk you home um yeah and um, a great one that I saw about like actually doing something is um someone dm'd and said that one time she was catcalled on the street and the guy behind her cat like yelled back at the catcall and he was a cat caller was like you're right man I am sexy <laughs> <laughs> and maybe yeah. that's not for everyone but I think a big another big theme was really like saying something i'm like really saying something like stop you know men when you're in a conversation someone makes a really misogynistic comment like call someone out on it like i mean we had someone say like we need to change the culture like it shouldn't be that you're a pussy for not taking advantage of a drunk hot girl instead it should be freaking gross and pathetic that you try to get with her with her while she's like that but you couldn't even get with her when she's sober like guys should guys should be shamed by other guys for do, for acting like that it's not considered cool to get with a hot girl if she's super drunk um and i thought that was interesting to think about that culture of just like being like that's gross like why would you do that yeah to someone else? yeah because you know more often than not we hear stories and you know we see things of guys hyping each other up for those kinds of comments when really we should um again accountability i know we said it a lot last episode but i think that's what it comes down to um accountability and and changing the culture and then i think there was one other one that we wanted to read before um yeah we hop on to the next segment um, i think she might be okay with saying it's from her but um, no just do it i'll just no um, no without her name without no i was gonna do it without her name so Someone DM'd the podcast um, and she said, I'll feel comfortable around strangers at night when women stopped getting attacked by strangers at night. 
I'll be derv- no, I'll be nervous no matter what a man does to make me feel quote unquote more comfortable. As long as as long as men are still out there attacking women, and that's the harsh reality of it. And I don't even know if we need to elaborate on it. I feel like it speaks for itself. So I agree. I think kind of hearing someone say that and just let that sit with you and inform what you do in the future is good. But um, yeah. yeah, so thanks everyone for really engaging mm-hmm. with us on this I was just going to say, yeah, thanks for having that discussion with us. You know, it feels like we're talking to you all. So that's really cool. And I'm yeah. glad you guys are listening. <laughs> Same. And so now we have a fun episode with um, someone I know really well. So I guess and that we'll... And someone that I get to know. Yeah. Lindsay gets to make a new friend. It's so I, exciting. So exciting. I love All making right. new friends. You do. All <laughs> right. So here we go. Okay. Welcome to... Mm, mm, see? <laughs> Jess usually does this part. Go ahead, Jess. (laughs) Next, we have our guest segment. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. My name is Gina Pachkowski, and I am the owner of LOM Yoga in Cranford, New Jersey. Gina is my yogi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I met Gina when I was like 18 in high school, way back in the day. How old are you now, Jess? I'm 23. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah, so I, if for, so Gina, what what are you here to talk about today? Well, we're here to talk about yoga um, and what yoga actually is, what it means, um, what people might think that it means. Uh, So yeah, I think just starting at the very beginning with, um, with just that and um, that yoga means to, it means to connect. Yoga really means to yoke. So sometimes if you, you know, you were to Google yoga, it might come up um, that it means to yoke, to connect, to uh, connect the mind, the body, and the spirit, that there's no separation. So, um, so yeah, I guess to start there, just with yoga, I mean, there's so much to talk about with yoga, the topics are endless, endless, endless. There, you know, are um, what's called eight limbs of yoga, and most people come to the practice uh, with one of those limbs in mind, which is the asana. Asana is uh, pose, the poses. So most people think of yoga as the yoga poses. Oh, everybody knows downward facing dog. Everybody knows tree pose. Or even when you see in a picture somebody sitting and meditating, right? Um, so that's what most people come to yoga for at first. But yet there are so many aspects um, of yoga. So yeah, so I guess I'm here to talk about those aspects and um, you know what else you can get from the practice. Yeah. So I started doing yoga when I was a senior in high, or a junior in high school because I was, I was stressed out. And my mom so nicely was like, I think you should go to yoga. And I was like, no way. I can't have a settled brain for three seconds, let alone an hour. And I'm not flexible and I'm not going to yoga. Um, and then my mother the lovely woman she is, was like, just go to one yoga class. And so I started with yin way back in the day. And for people who don't know, yin is like a more slow, 
um, yoga. I mean, I guess, Gina, do you want to describe yin yoga? Because I don't think I might do it justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so a lot of times when people will come to yoga, it's more the yang aspect, right? You see the, the yin yang sign, the black and white. The, so a lot of people will come at first, like for that yang practice, um, people might, uh, yeah, for the physical practice um, and movement. So the yin is more the practice of surrendering and receiving. So when you're in your basic asana class or vinyasa class, vinyasa flow, when you're moving breath with movement and it can be vigorous, it can be powerful, um, there's, there's action, right? In a yin class, I'm asking my students to disengage. So to disengage the muscles, to sink. My language is very different than in an active class. And you um, are getting into the deeper layers in your body. It's more getting into the fascia, which fascia is the web that binds. So it's like the, the tendons, the ligaments, the, so it's the web that binds like our bodies where in an active class, you know, you're engaging your muscles. You're, when you flex your muscle and you engage the muscle, you bring bone to bone. When in a yin practice, when we disengage, we allow space around the joints now we hold these poses, so we come into these poses and we hold them anywhere from, I've held people in poses anywhere from two to 10 minutes and you sink in this pose. And like I said, it's a practice of surrendering and receiving. And for most of us, the yin practice is way more challenging being still and sinking and disengaging than in an active class, because that's what we're used to doing. We're used to go, 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 do, do, do. What's next? What's next? What's next? Where yin invites us to sit with ourselves. And what happens? We think. The mind starts <laughs> going like, absolutely bonkers, right? You've got this monkey mind. And guess what? Your mind is doing its job. It thinks. So I invite students to sit with that and get curious about the thoughts. And throughout the class, I will offer some encouragement and some tools on how you can stay a little bit longer, you know, whether it's through breath, whether it's through visualization. And if you're a beginner, beginner yin practitioner, I might tell stories or read poetry or describe what's happening in that shape and what meridian we're talking about. Now, meridians are these energy channels in the body. That can be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, so meridians, like what meridians are we talking about? What, you know, what energy channel are we talking about? What organ is associated with that meridian? What emotion is associated with that organ? So it all comes into play simply from being in a specific pose. Um, and I might talk a lot 
for a beginner because it distracts them a little bit. And I'm okay with that in the beginning. And then little by little, I might say, you know, I'm going to be quiet. I'm still here. You know, trust me, I'm going to be quiet for a little while. And then little by little, we'll get more silent so that you, the practitioner, can get curious about what's going on with those sensations that you're feeling holding this pose for five, 10 minutes. Now, mind you, you're on the floor, you know, you're not holding some crazy, you know, foot behind your leg pose or anything like that, <laughs> but it's challenging. I mean, so Jess, you can go back to, so that was your first class ever? Yeah, ever. <laughs> My first class ever was a yin yoga class because we decided that would be relaxing for me. And I remember going and was like, I don't know if this is cr what it's cracked up to be. And Kelly Coyle, who um, ended up, she worked at IOM where Gina, that Gina owns, and my mom ended up doing her yoga teacher training under Kelly, yeah. was the one who actually connected me to Gina um, when, and when I, I, was, I was Gina's intern, essentially, for yes. the studio. <laughs> um, and that was the first place that I really started to like, like yoga. Like I was like, huh. I, I kind of get this. Like, Linz, have you ever done yoga? Yeah. So I was, I was just going to chime in. Um, the only time I've ever done yoga was at the beginning of quarantine when we were still at Lehigh and we were looking for things to do. And so my friend Jordan's into yoga um, and she would always do it in front of the TV. We, <laughs> she, she like found a YouTube channel. Like, I don't know. And so I did, I did like two or three sessions with her and it was hard like I was sore after I you know and I like to think that I'm a pretty athletic person and and you know I I go for runs and everything but I was just using muscles that I never used before and so I liked it I think but I just <laughs> <laughs> it felt a little forced I guess I don't know I don't know how to put it I, but I because I'm, I'm always like in my own head. So I think, you know, especially what you were describing with yin yoga, um, I have to get out of that to, I feel like fully immerse yourself in that experience. Yeah. So Gina, I mean, for people who've never, cause I guess you have two ends of the spectrum here. <laughs> I am now practicing yoga like five days a week and Lindsay's done yoga twice. Yeah. So to the Lindsay's of the world, like, <laughs> I guess, what would you, like people who are hesitant to get into yoga, people who like, how would you like either like pitch it or like what kinds of things do you want people who don't do yoga to know? Because I obviously know there's a bajillion benefits, but I think it's sometimes hard for me to get that to others. Yeah. Well, it's funny because once you find yoga and you discover, discover it and you know how it makes you feel, you want to share it with everybody. It's like, why isn't everybody practicing yoga? If everybody practiced yoga, it could save the world, right? Like, <laughs> so, um, you know, I had a, a friend who, after I opened the studio, maybe I was open a year and um, maybe it took her a year to get into the studio. And she said to me, Gina, why didn't you make me come? And I'm like, Jen, I can't, her, her name's Jen. I'm like, I can't make you come to yoga. So 
now's your time, you know, now, like, but she was like, what? I can't believe I was missing all this. And you just opened and it took me this long to come. So I could say this for somebody just starting out. I mean, my goodness, like right now, there's so much yoga out there and there are so many different styles and there are so many different teachers and to give yourself a trial period, you know, make a commitment to yourself to try different styles of classes, different teachers and, um, and, and just give it a chance. I will say this, you know, a lot of things that I hear I'm not flexible enough. I think you said that at the very beginning, you know, I'm not flexible enough. I'm not good at it. Yoga is not something you get good at. Um, it's a practice. It, it really is a practice. And that's why we call it a practice. Um, it's not something that you get good at and you come to yoga to help with your flexibility. Now, um, so Lindsay, you said that you consider yourself pretty athletic. You know, I would say never stop doing what you're doing. You know, like if you're a swimmer, you're a runner, you're a skier, you're whatever else you do, you rock climb, you hike, um, you know, yoga complements it. Yoga complements anything else you do physically. And I mean, forget, I mean, again, forget about what it's doing for you mentally and spiritually, you know, that, and maybe that's the next step for somebody. It might at first be physical, but maybe if, if I were sharing this with somebody who's just kind of like, you know, and maybe Lindsay, it is for you, <laughs> you know, like to stick with it, commit to trying different instructors and different styles. I would say that because there are just so many and it's finding the right one, the right one for you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Jess has put me onto a lot of stuff like orientation leaner in college, you know, Jess, I don't want to say beats the dead horse because that's not what this is. But like Jess talks about yoga, I think all the time. Like every time she does it, she goes, I just did yoga. <laughs> I just practiced yoga. I don't know the correct terminology, but it's, but like, just, I, I mean, and, and now I want to try it because just, I mean, just loves it. And obviously already we've been talking for, I, I don't know, like 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, this seems like something I could actually benefit from. See what Lindsay doesn't know is I'm actually, this was like a long-term plan. I was like, I'll bring you That's how I'll get Lindsay to go to yoga. <laughs> like, well, Lindsay and I are both training to run a ten, the 10 mile race, Gina, that I told you. The reason I came back to yoga was because my brain needed it. And also I needed something to complement running three times a week. And I've actually found that it's significant. I've got, I can see how much stronger I've gotten in two months um, just from complementing it. And I think that since you brought it up, Gina, I think while I love how I've gotten stronger from yoga, what I really think is the most incredible part of yoga is that a person like me and Lindsay and I are cut from the same cloth here who can have 900 thoughts going at one time, like thinking through 200 paths. <laughs> I can go through an hour and 15 minute class with no thoughts, like zero. Um, and so I think that mental part of yoga is really what I'll never want to ever give it up because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to make you strong. For sure. You know, we strengthen and we lengthen. 
we strengthen the muscles and we lengthen and we stretch them out. Um, so that's going to happen. Um, I like to say, and what I've learned is that it's the byproduct of the practice. So the physicality and what's happening with your body is the byproduct of the practice that yes, there's so much more that, um, that yoga is all about and there's breath, there's breathing, just paying attention to your breath. Forget about the exercises, pranayama, pranayama is another limb of yoga, um, which is breathing, it's breath work. And there are so many different um, breathing exercises out there. You can breathe to heat your body. You can breathe for energy. You can breathe to calm your central nervous system. There are so many different ways to breathe. And, and when you start to learn those tools, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was breathing incorrectly, right? Because it just happens automatically for us. So then you could just take that one piece of breath and bring that into your daily life or your, your running or your, you know, whatever else you, you do, you know, and I recognize that, um, you don't breathe the same, you don't breathe the same when you're running or when you're practicing yoga or when you're meditating, I recognize that, but I can tell you by learning these exercises, it will absolutely help with your lung capacity. It will help with your recognition of your breath and that you're breathing and are you breathing fully? And, um, and like I said, that's just one aspect. Um, concentration, you know, there's something in yoga we call dristi. So when we come to our balancing poses, you know, you'll hear an instructor talk about dristi and finding your focus on something that's not moving, something in front of you that's not moving. And um, this also helps, you know, whether it's say like you play golf and you need to be really focused in the moment, like you need to be in it. You can't be thinking about yesterday. You can't be thinking about tomorrow. You've got to be there now. So if you come into your breath, if you come into Dristi and your focus, and this is something you've been practicing all along, your body remembers. Your body remembers everything. So then you put it into play. And then you just become a master at your craft if you keep practicing it. That's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, yo I yoga breathe when I run now. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, you know, uh, Kathy, another student, um, I remember she said to me that she was doing the same thing, that when she was running, she started practicing her yogic breath or ujjayi breath, and um, which by the way is not like be all, end all. You have to breathe this way in yoga. It's just one way to breathe. And I remember her saying the same thing and she found that it was helping her. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I was just gonna say like, am I breathing wrong? You know, like I've gone 22 years on this earth breathing the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So are you sitting or standing? I'm sitting. Okay. So everybody can do this, right? Okay. So close your eyes if you want. 
and take a breath into your belly. So even puff the belly out a little and then keep breathing in up to your ribs and up to your chest and up to your throat. And then you exhale, the throat, the chest falls, the ribs contract and the belly comes in a little, right? Easy breezy. Inhale, puff the belly, the ribs, the chest, the throat, exhale, throat, chest, ribs, belly, right? So simple. That's just a simple, whole, full breath. A lot of times we find ourselves breathing up in the throat area. It's short and shallow. You get in your car and you sit in your car and you're like, ah. it's like, oh my God, I wasn't even breathing. So just that simple, what I just said, breathe in, puff the belly, the ribs, the chest, the throat, and then back down. That's just a little bit of help for you to get a full breath. So, and to be aware of how it's moving in your body. You are already bringing that connection, the breath, the body connection um, by being aware, being aware. I'm going to breathe like that all the time now. <laughs> no, that's well, my- there's more, there's more, there's more pranayama exercises we can give you too, but that's the one to start. I love it. I love that's, it. That breath that Gina just did it. You did that in class, I think on Monday. And that's one of my favorite ones because something I've learned in yoga is that I have a lot more like muscles and spaces in my body that I didn't actually know I could like move individually. I think before yoga, I had never been able to pull a breath slowly and put it back out in that way. And I think that something that I've always heard about in yoga, and I'd love to to speak to a little bit, Gina, is a little bit about like how much emotion we hold in our body and how yoga gives us this like opportunity to kind of get it out, whether that's through like breathing or a pose, because I found that very effective when I practice. Oh my goodness. How much time do we have? (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So first, right. I said that a lot of people will come to yoga for the physicality to move. Now, when we move, like you just stretch. I get to say, okay, stretch your arm out. And when we move, we are already moving energy. Everything's energy. So we're already moving and even discharging energy. So that's number one. So something's happening right off the bat before you even really know it. Now, like I said, the body remembers everything. The body remembers every experience you've gone through, joys, sorrows, grief, traumas. It remembers everything and even stores stuff. And sometimes this stuff gets stored. It gets pushed in or down, suppressed, repressed, and it just sits there and it lingers and it festers. And when this stored energy, and if it's not so good energy that we keep stuffing down because we want to maybe ignore that emotion, then what happens? We get sick, right? So then it's disease, it's cancer, it's, 
you know, now please let, with all due respect, <laughs> there's DNA and there's, um, you know, things that we inherit. And so with all due respect, of course, there's that also, but there is this emotional piece of it. So you come to this practice, right? And you're in a pose and I invite you to feel sensation. Well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, Gina? Feel sensation. Like, okay, say we're in a pose and you we're in a lunge and I'm like, okay, well, where do you feel this? You're in a lunge. Oh, I can really feel this in my hamstring. Okay. Well, what does it feel like? Can you describe that sensation in your hamstring? Like maybe it's, and there are hundreds of ways to describe the sensation in your body. It can be tight, flexible, sharp, tingly, wooden, smooth. You know, what does that sensation feel like? So now sensation, you didn't hear me describe an emotion there. I didn't say I'm happy, I'm sad, or ooh, this is coming up. But sensation can bring on an emotion. <clears throat> so if you've ever been in pigeon pose for five or 10 minutes and all of a sudden you're getting emotional and you like, sometimes you might even start to cry or you might remember something and you have no idea why this came up. Like, why is this coming up for me now? What is going on? Like, what is happening? This happened to my cousin. She called me after practicing yoga for a little while and my cousin Robin, and she's like, you know, what the fuck? She's like, what's going on? She's like, why am I crying in pigeon? Like, is this supposed to be happening? And I'm like, oh, I'm like, settle down. Like, it's okay. You know, so we tend to store a lot of emotions in our hips. And when you're in a pigeon pose, you are stimulating some sensation there in your hips. So this may bring on an emotion. Uh, and I say, sit with it, sit with it, get curious, get curious about why is this coming up? Do I need to process this? Do I need to write about this? Like, is there forgiveness there? Is, am I just feeling sad? Um, is there love here? Like there's so much that could be coming up and that's not for me to tell you what it is, but it's for you to get curious about what's coming up for you. Now it might be too much. Maybe you've been through a traumatic experience and I'm leading you through a class and I'm asking you to go, go deep. You know, I want you to go deep. The deeper we get in there or you know, I've been taught our issues are in our tissues and the longer we can sit, the deeper we can get and we can get more into those issues. And, and by the grace of God, we're going to resolve them. Right. I mean, maybe not really, you know, right in that minute in your pigeon pose, but it might be too much and something might come up that you're not ready. You're not ready to address it. And especially not in a yoga class, you know, maybe you need to talk to somebody, maybe you need therapy along with your yoga. It's okay to come out of it. You know, I might say like, sit here, go deep yet you, and I like to teach this to my students have agency over your body and you can come out of it. 
and you can go to the bathroom and cry and sob and scream and get it out, whatever you need to do. So, you know, it's like I contradict myself a lot because you can be in it. I can encourage you to stay here and get through this and process it and cry. And yet you might not be ready. But what's really cool is that you acknowledged it. Like, holy shit, what is coming up for me? And I can't believe this. Why, why, why? And maybe you need to open your eyes and maybe you need to be present right here, right now with your eyesight. Like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm here. I'm on my mat. I'm in this yoga studio or I'm in my space at home, you know, and that's okay to bring yourself back to your surroundings and maybe even come out of that sensation for the moment and write about it or talk about it until you're ready to go back again. Right. So I contradict myself a little bit, but I'm honest about it, you know, because you need to be safe and um, you need to, like I said, have agency over your body and nobody, nobody can tell you um, how deep you should go into something if you're not ready. So that's about a little bit about the emotion, a little bit about the emotional realm of yoga and how we store these emotions in our body and why they come up. Because sometimes we store them, we stuff them, we anesthetize. Give me a pill, I'll take it. You know, I don't have to feel anything. I don't want to feel anything. Um, so yoga helps us get into our bodies it helps us embody presence. Yeah, I mean, that's all so interesting to me. Like I obviously knew none of that. And so I think my takeaway is that like, I know you said when you come out of it, you know, you could go right or you need therapy on top of it, but yoga feels like its own form of therapy, I guess. So I don't know. I thought that was so interesting. So I think there's so much healing in yoga. Like I can think of, so I, Gina is, like I said, my yogi. So I, I Gina teaches me at least twice a week. And um, in a class, I think it was like in the last month, the, I always like to say that somehow Gina knows what's going on in my life. And then her class really always just fits the bill. Um, and so she, Gina was teaching a class on forgiveness and um, she was doing this breath where we would breathe in and then you'd breathe out and say like, I forgive whatever for whatever was going on in your life. And I thought for sure, I was like, all right, here I go. I, I can do this. Like just <laughs> And I breathe in and I, I, go, I can't, I can't say it. I can't say it. I breathe in again. I can't say it. And I have a clear memory. I've written about it. I know what I'm trying to say and I cannot get it out. And I, and I can like, like hear the breathing and people are and I cannot say it and it and it was one of those things where I was like oh my like it's one of those things where you don't realize the trauma that you hold on to until someone asks you to like get it out in a unique way like I never thought I'd say those words out loud even if it was only to myself in my bedroom with myself on mute like the only person who could hear it is me but I think yoga has provided me with a space to try things because I did say it and then I cried. Um, but 
it was the first time I'd ever said that I forgave this person out loud and like the power that that held for me and for my brain space and for all the mental energy and the physical energy that that's taken up, even if it wasn't, we weren't like, great, cross the line, everything's good and dandy, but it was a first step um, in healing myself and something I was clearly, that was holding this weight. And so I think yoga provides so much opportunity to work through things that, like you said, Gina, that you're holding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting. So there's something else in yoga that's called um, the values, right? And I'm not, I'm not looking at any of my notes. And I think the apana vayu is the throat. The values are how energy moves. So like whether it's like downward energy or it's energy from the heart and outward. And um, Jess, what you were describing was this apana vayu from the throat and out. So it's like you were like expelling this energy like out from the throat and using your voice. And you're right. You probably were like, why can't I say this? It's like it was just stuck, even though no one else was going to hear it but you. And how much healing is in that voice and that energy coming out from the throat and then even in hearing it, hearing your own voice and saying it. And as we're talking about this, it might sound so like weird or like, woo, like, but when you practice it or you're asked to practice this and you experience it for yourself, like, I love how you described that. And it's like, then you understand you understand, you know, it's so hard. Like we said at the very beginning of, of this podcast, like once you know, it's like, I just want everybody to be practicing. I want to tell everybody. It's the same thing with just that experience that you had. It sounds a little like, what? Just by saying something? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're in the moment and no one's ever asked you to say that out loud. And, you know, how did that feel? Like, you know, maybe... I don't know. It could be liberating. It could be freeing. It feel like could be like a weight off your shoulders, or it still could be hard, and there could still be some stuckness there, and still some more to sift through there. Um, but I mean, how cool is that? Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had to answer that. <laughs> I just think, like, I don't know. I think we spend so much time like in life thinking about like how to evolve and grow and heal. And there's, you know, we, we work out and we eat right, or we go to therapy or we, you know, whatever you're evolving in. Um, and I think yoga is such a unique place that like kind of wherever I am, whether I don't feel good, whether I'm so excited for my class, whether I, you know, had a long day, I'm tired, whatever it is, I always, and now that I've been doing practicing so much, I'm able to take those skills off the mat and like integrate them to my healing. You know, sometimes when I like start to have those like very repetitive thoughts, I like bring it to a journal and then do some kind of breathing. And I think we have been through like such a crazy year um, in which there's felt like really nothing feels like it's I can hold on to it. And just so have a, to have a practice that I can always go back to like, the only thing I need is my body. Yes, it's great to have the wise words of Gina coming through my ears, but if, if I had to, it could just be me. And so I think 
to find ways to cope and move through difficult things that only requires myself, um, I think is powerful. Oh my goodness. Like it, it really, yeah. Like, you know, we have these facilitators and teachers and guides and we have people who inspire us, but I agree with you, Jess. I mean, it really comes down to the self. It comes down to the self. And I would encourage anybody struggling with anything, um, you know, with, yeah, anxiety. I mean, my goodness, you're, you're right. This year has been something that um, we've never experienced in our lifetime. And um, man, like people are depressed. People are anxious. People are scared. Um, now, I told you from the get-go, I contradict myself a lot. And I believe people need people and people need human connection and touch. Yet I would encourage, you know, when you're going through hard times and, um, and if you don't have that, you know, immediately, I encourage everyone, anybody to sit, to sit, to just sit, to sit with yourself. Um, you know, listen, we hear this, this is no secret. You know, you read it, you hear it, turn off your phone, you know, get out in nature, reduce the screen time. Um, and even if it's just for a couple minutes to sit and you just listen and um, you're really listening to your own heart. And the longer you sit, the more deeply you can listen. And it can start with that breathing I just gave you like, okay, like, let me come into my breath and let me feel my breath. Okay, well, let me feel how my breath moves my body. Okay, now let me quiet my mind. Just the intention of quieting my mind is enough. You know, no expectation, no judgment if you've got the monkey mind. Maybe I can visualize taking all those thoughts and just putting them aside because I know I can get back to them later. And by sitting for a little bit, I'm going to get back to them, those thoughts and my day with a more clear mind and grounded body. You know, so many of us are just up here, like, woo, like, you know, we're just up in the clouds. And so to ground, to breathe and to sit, to sit and listen to what comes up. And you can do that by yourself and it's free, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, and it's just such an unbelievable tool to be aware of your mind, your body and your heart. And it's called meditation. I mean, meditation is, is just being aware. That's really it. And if you've been through something like so traumatic, then you don't do it too long. You don't do it maybe um, yet. Uh, maybe you don't close your eyes yet. You know, maybe you soften around your eyes instead, but it's still so important to sit and connect with yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I can't remember the last time I did that. I maybe meditated once or twice in high school and just the concept of like sitting by myself, especially when there's like so much stimulation, you know, on screens and everything. It, it feels difficult. Um, 
And I know that that's probably like the first step to like get over is, you know, being in your mind about it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think like, I'm I- just like absorbing everything that Gina's saying yeah. because I'm like, I should be like writing it down. Like I'm going to. Well, <laughs> the great thing is Lindsay, it's a podcast and you can listen back to it. True. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like one thing is like, Lindsay knows this. She's my friend for a long time now is like, I schedule everything in my whole day. If it was up to me, I'd have a thousand things to do from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed and there'd be ne- like, there, that would be it. And for a while, that was a coping mechanism. So I didn't have any time to think about all the stuff that I didn't like or all the stuff that was heavy. Um, and for me now to take, you know, multiple hours in my week where the only thing I'm doing um, is not thinking is, has been really like life changing for me. And you know, I loved yoga and then I took a long hiatus from yoga. And then, you know, it was my mom again, shout out to my mother being like, (laughs) why don't you just do one online class when you go back after Christmas? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't like this online thing. I was like, Gina has, if you live in New Jersey, you must go to Gina's studio because it is on a river and you get the beautiful noises of the river. And like, it is the most perfect studio in the whole world. I'm a little biased, but I swear it's true. And so I was like, I'm never going to be able to recreate that space in my home. There's no way. Um, Newsflash, I have because it's not really, it's not really about the space or the candles or the lighting or the, that my music matches the music that's going on to the class. It's just the opportunity to connect with myself. I think I never, I used to hate being alone. So to have the opportunity where I'm just spending an hour connecting to myself, um, is real is a unique opportunity that I don't think people who are anxious and like to fill their life have a lot. Yeah, it's so true. You know, at the start of this pandemic, and we were all on line and in the Zoom rooms, and um, you know, one thing I would say to everybody was to create this space at home. You know, create your space and 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 you know what? Maybe it is like I love candles. I love to light candles and and have that you know environment, that cozy environment. Um, plants and my um, crystals and my incense. I I love it. It brings me joy. And not only does it bring me joy, when I practice in that same place, same time that I've created same place, same time every day, it reminds you that it's your time. It's your time. Like, oh, it's my time now to practice yoga or, oh, right. This is where I meditate every day. Remember what I said, the body remembers everything. So you come back to that same little nook that you've created your yoga space and you fall maybe into that gap if you're meditating a little more quickly because now you're practicing, you're getting into the habit, the same time, same place. So, um, and you know, Lindsay, it, it, it's a practice. It really is a practice. Mm. Like when you were saying, you know, you meditated once or twice and um, like with all this stuff going on around you, it's like, I can't do this, you know, and, and it's just a practice to sit through that. I can't do this. And, you know, keep trying, keep trying because some days you're going to be so anxious and there's so much going on and it's still beneficial. You sat 
And then there are going to be other days where you're just going to fall into it and be like, oh, wow, what just happened? Um, you know, I'm going to share with you too. And gosh, if Jess Davis ever listens to this, I apologize if I'm like totally um, messing up, like totally butchering your, your story. But um, Jess Davis was the founder of Folk Rebellion. Um, and she put out the, this newspaper. I have them in my house and now I'm just reminded of her in this newspaper that I, I have to go back and pull them. And the newspaper was meant to last a long time, like takes you a month to get through. And, um, you know, she talks about going where the Wi-Fi is weak and, you know, picking up the phone and calling people and, um, you know, just like, just old school, you know, I, I guess, like, so to speak, is the folk rebellion model. Well, she told a story, something like she went on vacation and she had her cell phone with her. And, um, you know, and I apologize. I don't know, like, if, you know, what position she had in what company at the time, but, you know, she was high level and lots of stress and lots of things going on. She was constantly on her phone, on her phone. And I think it was maybe her husband who said to her, like, you have to put that phone down. Like, you can't be on your phone. Like, you know, this is a family vacation. Well, she did. And she said something like it took like a week to get like the anxiety like out of her from not having the phone. Like, you know, and I forget what boundaries she put on herself, like, you know, when she could look at it or not look at it. And, and I, I'm, I'm just forgetting, I can't remember like her, her story, but it took about a week, maybe even two, and maybe she would say longer for that anxiety to get out of her, out of her system and to just be okay. It was a detox. It was really like a detox from from screen time, from social media, from work, from emails, from the ding. You know, the moment you hear a ding, you watch, try not to look at your phone. And you're like, who was that? What's going on? Don't look at it for like a minute and see what goes on with your heart rate. What's going on in your mind? But someone just dinged me. Is that my friend? Is that the boyfriend I'm waiting to get in touch with me or girlfriend is that, is that maybe plans for tonight? Is that, and your mind just, you, that one ding, ding. And you're like, but you're still not looking at it. How's my heart rate? What's going on? There's like this physical, you have like a, a physiological reaction to this shit. And it's like, it's toxic. So I go back to her and her sharing that story with like how she had to detox from all of this stuff, this, you know, Lindsay, you called it stim, stimulus, right? Like yeah. all stimulus. Like, so it's crazy how, how, how and what this does to our bodies. And I'm telling you, just sit with that ding and feel your heart. And well, like, that's how I feel about the outlook ding for work. Every time <laughs> Outlook ding goes off, I could be across the room getting a glass of water and I like shoot myself back to my computer. 
nothing will happen if it takes me three more minutes to get back to an, a, my virtual job email. Like not, nothing will happen. <laughs> but even like I, I get a 30-minute lunch break every day. And on my 30-minute lunch break, I go for a run or a walk. And in the middle, I always compulsively check my email, even oh, though it is yeah. my 30-minute lunch break and nothing is going to happen if the email sits for 15 minutes. But if my boss emails me in the first 10 minutes of my run, I seriously am like, can I type a response while running down the street of Philadelphia so that my boss doesn't have to wait 20 more minutes till I'm back from my run? Like, I think that just is a lot about like, there's no such thing as work-life balance, especially I think for a young, like right first year in the workforce, I'm like, I need to like, I need to make my name. I need to, you know, find my space. I need to be like worthy of, you know, this job. And I think yoga has given me a place to just be like, well, this is me. This is how I showed up to my mat. This is how I show up to my email. Like, this is where I'm at right now. Um, and that ability to be present, even, and it's not all day. Let's, let's be real here. I, there's no way I'm present for all day, every day. That's a dream. But None of us. But if I get a little more time, if I can spend, you know, an hour and a half in yoga and then I get one more hour where I can just be completely present with myself, that's that evolving. That's that growing because I don't believe people ever stop evolving and growing and changing. And so for me, yoga gives me that space to keep evolving. Yeah. It's, you know, um, boundaries, boundaries, it's, it's boundaries are actually a form of self care. So to take that 30 minutes, Jess, for yourself and it's, it's your time. It really is your time. I mean, it's your break. You're not taking something that you don't deserve that you haven't earned, you know, like it's, it's there for you. Like you're supposed to take it. So to have those boundaries and just simply not check for 30 minutes because that's going to make you better and more efficient when you get back to it. Otherwise, you're like, look at what you just said. I'm trying to run while I'm typing. And then all of a sudden, your phone goes flying. Your phone breaks. You type the wrong word. You're like, oh my God, I didn't mean to type that. I didn't, you know, like it's like mayhem. You're manic. It's like, so you can get back to your desk and you probably could do it more efficiently with a clear mind without breaking your phone or, or typing the wrong word, right? So I know it sounds so simple because I hear you. You, you know, you're young and you're vibrant and you're like, you want to get ahead of the game and it's dog eat dog world. And I don't know. I just don't know. I really challenge that with, um, with when we have boundaries, I think that that's respected. I think, I mean, that's my opinion. I think that when we have boundaries, it's, it's respected too. So, um, yeah. 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 I feel like there was something else in there too, that you said, I have to think about what I wanted to touch on, but yeah, boundaries came to mind, um, came to mind there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, boundaries with anything, but I think that we could probably talk about this for hours because I still want to keep going. <laughs> um, um, and this has not not been a plug to go to yoga. <laughs> I'm gonna make Lindsay go now. No, I sure. am absolutely. <laughs> um, as soon as I move out of my parents' house, I'm there. 
<laughs> when Lindsay is recording from her childhood bedroom right now. <laughs> um, so Gina, I, to- I told you this question was coming. Um, so you just shared something you're open about and you're passionate about. What is something you're working on being more open about? <sighs> okay. You know, I think this is something I want to work on. Perfect. I, I can't honestly say I'm actively working on it. Um, something that I want to be open about are some aspects of my life through writing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty open person. And, uh, if anybody wanted to talk to me about anything, I I really will share, you know, I will. Um, and yet sometimes I pull back a little because I don't want it to be about me or overshare, you know, especially in a, a, a yoga class. Um, I mean, Jess, you know, I could talk like, you know, and keep on talking. I know I sometimes need to like, you know, cut it short. (laughs) Um, That's for sure. But I say that like in regards to maybe some hard topics, like, you know, like, like divorce, you know, I'm divorced and talking about divorce and my story there, or, um, you know, I lost a brother to drug addiction and talking a little bit about that and some experiences. And um, so I think something I want to be more open about is that and through maybe the means of writing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that answer. Yeah, that was (laughs) fantastic. If you wrote anything, I'd read it. (laughs) You're awesome. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Jess is going to start a Gina fan club after No, I, I am the president of the Gina fan club. Uh, you're the best. You're the best. Yeah, when I need a boost, I'll give you a call. Gina, thank you so, so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Jess and Lindsay. This was such a great pleasure. Thank you. When NASA sent a woman to outer space for only six days and they gave her 100 tampons, 100 tampons, and asked, will that be enough? Oh my God, are you recording? (laughs) Oh man. I'm so glad I got that. Amazing. (laughs) On that note. And that's it for this episode of Sorry We're Open. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your ears. Yeah, and as usual, if you're interested in being a guest, um, hit our line. Um, We'd love to have you come on and talk about whatever you're passionate about. And you can follow us on Instagram at Sorry We're Open Podcast. You can email us at Sorry We're Open Podcast at gmail.com. We would love if you came and chatted with us. I love chatting people in the DMs or via email. So. Yeah, thanks for Or listening. snail mail. You forgot snail mail or bat signal. Oh, pod, smoke signal? Pod signal. We Ooh, should get one of those. We should. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week.